Welcome to Read By, where today's finest authors read what matters to them, from their homes to yours. In this episode, A.E. Stallings reads Ginny the Just, an elegy by Matthew Pryor. To learn more from Stallings about her choice, check out the episode description. And now, Read By, A.E. Stallings. Hello, this is Alicia Stallings, and I'm going to be reading a poem for 92nd Street Y. Um, We were asked for poems that are kind of respites um, from all of the stress of the pandemic, Um, poems that you return to again and again. And this is a poem that I think on periodically. It's a poem by Matthew Pryor, who perhaps is not very well known. The Poetry Foundation says of him that he was the most important poet writing in England between the death of John Dryden and the poet poetic maturity of Alexander Pope. He was born in 1664 and died in 1721. Um, he's not by any means an aristocrat. He was um, the son of a joiner and his uncle was a kept a tavern. Um, but it was clear from an early age that he was a super bright kid and he was um, sent to school and to Cambridge by a patron. And he became a diplomat and a politician. He served us in the Foreign Service, as it were, in The Hague and traveled in Paris. And he's known for satirical verses and also for some lighter verses. And this is one called Ginny the Just, um, which I'm very fond of. It's that maybe rare category in poetry of a portrait of someone. And I love the affection of this portrait and how real she seems. She's based on Um, His real housekeeper, who was a widow, Jane, from Flanders. She was probably also his mistress. And I like that this isn't a poem about a beautiful young woman, but a poem about um, a middle-aged woman who has led an interesting life within her domestic sphere. Um, But uh, So I will read this this poem for you. There are a few words um, that might kind of leap out at you. Duns is a word that means, you know, like the constantly being asked for money. Um, Manes are the spirits of the dead. Um, When I say goo, it's the French goo, it means taste. Um, And I'll I'll do my best because this is a a longish poem. But I love um, the affection of this poem and how she comes across as a real person. So this is Ginny the Just. Oh, and I should add that it's it's an elegy for her. This is after her death. Ginny the Just. Released from the noise of the butcher and baker, who, my old friends be thanked, did seldom forsake her, and from the soft duns of my landlord, the Quaker, from chiding the footman and watching the lasses, from Nell that burned milk and Tom that broke glasses, sad mischiefs through which a good housekeeper passes, from some real care but more fancied vexation, from a life party-colored half-reason, half-passion, Here lies, after all, the best wench in the nation. From the Rhine to the Po, from the Thames to the Rhone, Joanna or Janetan, Ginny or Joan, t'was all one to her by what name she was known. For the idiom of words, very little she heeded, provided the matter she drove at succeeded. She took and gave languages just as she needed. So for kitchen and market, for bargain and sale, she paid English, or Dutch, or French, down on the nail, but in telling a story she sometimes did fail. Then begging excuse as she happened to stammer, with respect to her betters, but none to her grammar, her blush helped her out, and her jargon became her. 
Her habit and mane she endeavored to frame to the different goo of the place where she came. Her outside still changed, but her inside the same. At the Hague, in her slippers and hair as the mode is. At Paris, all fall below fine as a goddess, and at censuring London, in smock sleeves and bodice. She ordered affairs that few people could tell in what part about her that mixture did dwell of frau or mistress or mademoiselle. For her surname and race, let the heralds e'en answer, her own proper worth was enough to advance her, and he who liked her little valued her grandsire. But from what house soever her lineage may come, I wish my own Ginny but out of her tomb, though all her relations were there in her room. Of such terrible beauty she never could boast, as with absolute sway, or all hearts rules the roast, when Jay balls out to the chair for a toast. But of good household features her person was made, nor by faction cried up, nor of censure afraid, and her beauty was rather for use than parade. I love that part. Her blood so well mixed, and flesh so well pasted, that though her youth faded, her comeliness lasted. The blue was worn off, but the plum was well tasted. Less smooth than her skin, and less white than her breast, was this polished stone beneath which she lies pressed. Stop, reader, and sigh, while thou think'st on the rest. With a just trim of virtue, her soul was endued, not affectedly pious, nor secretly lewd, she cut even between the coquette and the prude. I love that bit too. Her will with her duty so equally stood that seldom opposed she was commonly good and did pretty well, doing just what she would. Declining all power she found means to persuade, was then most regarded when most she obeyed, the mistress in truth, when she seemed but the maid. Such care of her own proper actions she took that on other folks' lives she had not time to look. So censure and praise were struck out of her book. Her thought still confined to its own little sphere, she minded not who did excel or did err, but just as the matter related to her. Then, too, when her private tribunal was reared, her mercy so mixed with her judgment appeared that her foes were condemned and her friends always cleared. Her religion so well with her learning did suit that in practice sincere and in controverse mute, she showed she knew better to live than dispute. Some parts of the Bible by heart she recited, and much in historical chapters delighted, but in points about faith she was something short-sighted. So notions and modes she referred to the schools, and in matters of conscience adhered to two rules, to advise with no bigots, and jest with no fools. And scrupling but little, enough she believed, by charity ample small sins she retrieved, and when she had new clothes she always received. Thus still, while her thus still whilst her mourning unseen fled away, and ordering the linen and making the tea that scarce could have time for the psalms of the day, and while after dinner the night came so soon that half she proposed very seldom was done, with twenty God bless me's how this day is gone, while she read and accounted and paid and abated, ate and drank, played and worked, laughed and cried, loved and hated, as answered the end of her being created. In the midst of her age came a cruel disease, which neither her juleps nor receipts could appease, so down dropped her clay. May her soul be at peace. Retire from the sepulchre, all the profane, you that love for debauch or that marry for gain, retire, lest ye trouble the manes of Jane. But thou that knowst love above interest or lust, 
Strew the myrtle and rose on this once beloved dust, and shed one pious tear upon Ginny the Just. Tread soft on her grave, and do right to her honor. Let neither rude hand nor ill tongue light upon her. Do all the small favors that now can be done her. And when what thou liked shall return to her clay, for so I'm persuaded she must do one day, whatever fantastic John Asgill may say, when, as I have done now, thou shalt set up a stone for something, however distinguished or known, may some pious friend the misfortune bemoan and make thy concern by reflection his own. Nine Two Wise Read By is produced and commissioned by New York's Nine Two Y Unterberg Poetry Center, a home for live readings and literature for over 80 years. To invite more authors into your home, subscribe to Nine Two Wise Read By wherever you download podcasts. If you're able, please visit 92y.org slash help now to donate to support Nine Two Y and our new digital programming. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Find more great recordings at 92y.org slash redbine.